I can't tell you the f- marriages that have been ruined because one spouse became bored with another spouse. I cannot tell you how many times in the evening many of us eat because we're bored, not because we're hungry, but because we're bored. And if you're not careful, you'll become bored in the church. It is easy to become bored in the church. It is easy to become uh, just weary with doing the same thing over and over and over again. That's why many people now or many churches are trying to entertain and do various things to get people to come. But honestly, if you, one fellow said, if you, you get them with a hot dog, you got to keep them with a hamburger. And there's always something that you got to do to keep them coming. But if you and I love the Lord Jesus Christ and we do not grow bored and stagnant in our relationship, we will want to be a part of the church. The church is important. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 that he purchased the church with his blood. Church is extremely important to the Lord. And I'm not so much as talking about doing as I am being. You can be busy in church doing a lot of activities and still, still be stagnant in your relationship with the Lord. Busyness does not equal godliness. They are not the same things. Godliness is godliness. And if we're not careful, we can forget that church is extremely important. Growing up, I grew up in a church and a lot of my memories back then, perhaps they weren't that uh, important to me. But as I get older, growing up in a church, the church I grew up in, we had a lot of fun, fond memories. We did a lot of things. And uh, I, I cherish those memories, and I am extremely grateful that I was raised in a Bible-believing church. It was not a perfect church, and the people there were not perfect but they had a love for Jesus Christ and a love for people. And uh, I thank God for the church that I was raised in. Being a growing up there and obviously being a teenager and whatnot, I'm sure there are times when I did not appreciate it. I'm sure there are times when my dad made me go to church. But the older I get, the more I see how important church is. Guys, when there's something wrong, the first people I think of to call are you, the church. And when I need prayer, the first people I think of to ask for prayer are members of this church. It's extremely important. And as Paul winds down this epistle and this letter, he gives us three things. Now, this is not exclusive that we're to remember, but three things that are highly important to remember In this church. Romans chapter 16 and verse 1. I know you're going to kill me, but would you please stand again? Maybe this will count for your aerobic workout today. I don't know. But uh, chapter 16 and verse 1. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you, for indeed, she has been my helper, <clears throat> and has been a helper of many and myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked 
their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Apennatus, who was the firstfruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Juna, my countrymen and fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who were also in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Stasius, my beloved. Greet Apellus, approved in Christ. Greet those who are the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Trophenia and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Ascancritus and Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philogonus and Julia and Nurus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you, and Quartus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him who is to able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Father, bless the reading of your word. I thank you for your grace. Lord, I need you, and I pray that you would just help us to focus on this message. Your word is eternal. It's settled in the heavens. And God, we open it to hear from you. We pray that you would change our hearts, that you would tune our attention towards you, that you would just do something incredibly godlike in our lives for your honor and your glory. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would move in our midst. Thank you for this congregation, for these faithful men and women who love you, who week after week gather to hear your word, who do their very best to serve you on a daily basis. God, I pray that you would bless us, draw us closer to each other, strengthen our fellowship here, and our love for each other, and most importantly, our love for you. God, again, we love you. I ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray. 
And amen, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. As I said earlier, church is extremely important. And in this passage of Scripture is laid out for us what seemingly is just a bunch of greetings. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I did try to practice this week those names. And uh, they are very different than what we are accustomed to. Uh, but at any rate, as I read through this many times, I kept seeing things that were very consistent, very very uh, specific. For instance, I would see terms like uh, servant, fellow worker, helper. All these things are important. These are not just casual terms that are thrown together to uh, complete the letter, but it's God's revelation to us that the church, in fact, is important. And what I want you to see, first of all, these three things that we remember in the church, it takes many members working together serving the Lord. You are not here by mistake. You are part of the church that God has planted here. He has brought you here for whatever reason He brought you here. Some of you have been here for many, many years. Some of you have not been here that long. But nonetheless, you are part of His church. And it's extremely important. And it takes every member working together. And sometimes we forget that. You know, some people have told me that, and I don't know this, I don't know how to figure out all this stuff, but some people have said that in most churches, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. I don't know that. All I can say is that I walk around on Wednesday nights in Iwana, and I see a group of people loving on kids. I come to church on Sunday morning, and I see a group of people who love the Lord singing praises to the Lord. I see people doing the trunk retreats and all the things that we do, the church camps, because the vacation Bible schools, because they love the Lord. And that's extremely important. And it takes everyone working together. It's not my church. It's not the deacon's church. It's the Lord's church. And He's called us to be part of it, to be part of something, to be part of His family. And as he goes through and he names all these names, and if you'll forgive me, I'm not going to go back and name them all again, but multiple people he tied to the work of the church. You might be sitting in this congregation this morning and you might be thinking, well, you know, I really don't do much. It's insignificant. No, listen, you're, you're part of this church. You're part of this church. And Jesus Christ loves you And He has redeemed you with His blood. And He has placed you in this church for a reason. Because you matter. Everyone matters to this church. Now notice what He says here in verse 2. He says, That you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and assist her in whatever business she has need of. It takes many members. We ought to, first of all, receive each other. We ought to look at each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, not as enemies. Maybe you don't get along with someone, and I, I can't rectify that, and I can't make that right. And, but you know what? You should still receive that person as a brother or sister in Christ. This is where real Christianity is. It's about being, not necessarily doing. The doing will come if we focus on the being. And I ask you, what kind of member are you? Are you a member of the church that will work hard to receive each other? 
in this fellowship. Secondly, he says, assist her. We are to assist each other. We are to help each other. When I was in the basic training in the United States Army, I had what they called a ranger buddy. A ranger buddy was assigned to me. I had the top bunk, he had the bottom bunk. We did everything together. When we went out into the field, I would take half of a tent, he would take the other half. Together, we had a tent. I did not like my ranger buddy. I'll be honest with you. He was from like New Jersey or New York somewhere. He had a weird accent. His voice went all through me. I just did not. Can anybody else identify with that? I just, I mean, it just went all through me. It's like nails on, uh, fingernails on a chalkboard. And granted, I, we just didn't get along. In the middle of basic training, his father died and he went home. And when he went home, I found that all the things that I used to be able to do together, I had to do by myself. And as bad as I, as much as I did not like him, I did not like doing all those things by myself more. When he came back, our relationship got better. We became friends. We became real ranger buddies and we began to work together. And I'm sure that perhaps there was sympathy from all of us, you know, towards him in losing his father. But it went a long way. But when we began to work together, the tasks became much more enjoyable and much easier. Guys, we are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And whether you want to realize it or not, the devil wants your marriage, he wants your children, he wants your grandchildren, he wants you. He wants your attitude, he wants you to be divisive, he wants you to be a problem, he wants you not to, 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 to be involved in the church. He wants you to take this matter of church membership not serious. He wants you to think it's a big joke and nothing important. But let me tell you, God's Word says something altogether different. You are important and you matter. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. Receive each other. Assist each other. Be a fellow worker. He says that you may receive her in the Lord, in a manner worthy of the saints, assist her in whatever business she has need of you, for indeed she has been a helper of myself. A helper. He goes on to say of Priscilla and Aquila in verse 3, they are my fellow workers. They literally risked their own neck for him. He goes on to say that um, in verse 6, Mary, who labored much for us. Verse 7, those fellows, fellow prisoners, fellow. Do you see that? There's a connection there. As he lays it out and lists these people, there is a deep abiding connection amongst them. And if you will remember something about this church, remember it takes many members working together serving the Lord for it to function properly. Some years ago, I ran into a a girl that was a couple years behind me in school. I had gone down to South Point for something, and I had to run over to the store. I think I'd, we were at my in-laws, and I had to run over to Food Fair in South Point. And I ran into this girl, and when I ran into her, something had changed about her. She had, I think, MS or something like that. And what had happened was she, she was not able to walk and, and talk and do what she normally used to do. And I remember seeing that because she was hindered by that, her body didn't function the way it was created or designed to do. When you and I neglect 
our role in the local church, in this body, the body doesn't function like it was designed to function. You may think it's something insignificant. Nobody cares if I show up and I teach my class or nobody cares if I clean or nobody cares if I help at camp or vacation Bible school. But let me tell you, God cares. God cares. And He placed you here and it takes all of us working together. I, uh, I remember when I first came here, I told the deacons and uh, Joe was deacon at the time. He's here and Brother Bill will tell you and Chester was here. I told him, I said, look, I, I, I'll, I'll preach and I'll do anything you ask me, but just don't ask me to lead the singing. <laughs> Which they were okay with that. Would you know a year or two into pastoring here, there was no one to lead the music. And I had to lead singing one Sunday. And it was like Jesus in the garden, sweating great drops of blood. And I'll never forget, I thought, dear Lord, please send somebody to lead singing so I don't ever have to do this again. And that was one instance where I realized right then and there, it takes everyone working together. It was bad. It was bad. And people had pity on me, and they were gracious to me, and I thank you for that. But it was bad. It takes, it takes us all, church. You are important. And please don't buy into the lie of the devil. Things are going to get tough, guys. I'm telling you this. Uh, someone says of a storm, doesn't it say that it, it gets better before it gets worse? Well, the Bible says something totally different. The Bible says it gets worse before it gets better. In church, we need each other. If you can just remember this, I am needed. You're needed. When you're not in your place, you are missed. And I'm not here, I'm not here to browbeat you. Please don't think that. I'm not here to uh, anything like that. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I, I don't want that. What I want you to see is to remember that you matter to this fellowship. Just as Paul listed all these people, they were essential. You are essential to this church. Because if you're not here, there would be no church. This building was closed down at one time. There was a time when this building was boarded up and not had, they had no church in it. It was not a church. It was a building. When it was opened back up, when Temple paid the utilities and Tri-State Bible College supplied the pulpit and the people started gathering together, it was a church again. And Pastor Dave came and did a great job and the church grew and flourished. It was a church not because of the buildings and not because of the, the crosses and all that. It was because of the people. The people. It takes many members working together, serving the Lord. The second thing that I would like to ask you to remember about this is there will always be those who seek to cause division. And I would tell you, just avoid them. Just avoid them. If you go down to verse 17, he says this, Now I urge you, brethren... Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. In a church, there will always be those who seek to cause division. I don't know for what reason they feel that it's their duty to point out all the flaws, to heighten an awareness to everybody's shortcomings or what they like or they don't like. But it is very clear here, he says, to mark them, note them, and he says to avoid them in verse 17. Why? Well, he tells us, first of all, they do not serve Christ. This is extremely important. If I run you down, I am not serving Christ. 
It's taken me a lot of years to realize this. If I'm running you down, I'm not serving Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for you. And he tells me that I must love you. And if I am to love you, then I am not to run you down. And boy, I have been so guilty of this and I have uh, repented of it. I cannot run people down. I cannot uh, be judgmental of them and serve Christ. See, it's a deflection. The devil wants to deflect us from the true ministry of the saints. And that's becoming Christ-like. It was Jesus who opened not his mouth. When they were beating him, when they were plucking his beard, when they were saying all manner of evil things about him, the scripture says he opened not his mouth. But there are some who will creep into churches and they will cause division. Nothing's ever good enough. Something's always wrong. Something's always wrong with someone else. And if they did it, they would do it differently. But it's interesting, they never volunteer to do it. It's always just what they're doing wrong. Notice what else he says there. Verse 18, For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and notice this, by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Oh, church, be careful of flattery. Be careful of it. Be careful of smooth talkers that deceive you. The church I grew up in, there was a man who came in and got close to the pastor. Just after we were already gone and up here pastoring for years. And this gentleman was a smooth talker. He was very smooth talker. He smoothed his way in. He preached things and... Uh, the pastor became close to him, and through flattery, things like, oh, pastor, you're, you're like my own dad. You're closer to me than my own dad, and I've learned so much from you. You're so good and flattery. The pastor built a trust to him, and long story short, he took the church away from the pastor. And our church that I grew up in, when we left, uh, I think we averaged about 450 on Sunday morning. That church went down to below 50. 40, 20 people. And um, last I heard, he had run away. He left the church. He ran away with one of the members' daughter, who was about 20 years younger than he was, got her pregnant. And um, guys, I'm telling you, mark them. If someone is divisive and they're in the church causing division, mark them. And you know, I've often thought about this. My instinct is, being from flesh, boy, you just like to set them straight, knock their head off, whatever, right? Good old, you know, we used to settle things before everybody became such wimpy people. You just go out back and, you know, a couple of minutes, it's over with, right? But you know what? God says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. May I say to you, you might be sitting in this church and someone in church has hurt you deeply. You forgive them. You know why? Because Christ has accurate records. He's fully aware of what they have done to you. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 tells us, to, it tells us very clearly, and there's no stipulations on it, 
It says, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 32, it says this. It says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. If someone's wounded you deeply, the best thing you can do is to give it to the Lord and forgive them. You can forgive them. Well, they, they, you know, I, went, I, I was going to try to tell them, I'm going to forgive them, and they don't even think they've done anything. That don't matter. You can still forgive them. Your forgiveness is not tied to their response. Your forgiveness is because you're like Jesus. Now, how they respond is between them and God. Galatians 6.10 tells us this. It says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. Those who come in and create division using their deception and their smooth talking and their flattering speech, they're dividing people. They're, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Do you know what they did? Do you know what this did? You know what they're doing? They're being divisive. And it's anti Christ, it's anti-Christian, what Christ would want us to do. There is no way they can take Galatians 6.10 who says, as, as you have the opportunity, do good especially to those of the household of faith. You cannot be good to people causing division in them. But we have to remember there will always be those who seek to cause division. You know how we stop it? Avoid them. Someone comes to you and says, hey, let me tell you about so-and-so. You say, no, we're not going there. If you want to talk with him, we'll go get him and we'll talk about him. And you stop it. Well, let's go see what they say. You know, as I get older, I'm learning. There's two sides to every story. Has anyone ever noticed that? Keep this in mind. There will always... And not just in this local congregation. I'm talking about brothers and sisters. You know, there are a lot of good churches. Sometimes we only talk about those weird churches that are doing weird things. But you know, there are a lot of good churches in our area. And you know, if they're born again and they go to that church, you're a brother and sister in Christ to them. And you should not treat them like they're not. Just because they might differ a little bit than you differ. If you're settled on Jesus Christ... In Christ alone, salvation alone, hey, you're brothers and sisters in Christ. And I've often said, it's a good thing I'm not, char I'm not in charge of the accommodations in heaven. Because I'd get all these people that are fighting, and I'd make them be roommates throughout eternity. That's exactly why I'm not in charge of, of anything, really. Remember, just avoid them. Just avoid them. And the last thing I want to, the last thing I want to uh, ask you to remember, as we finish this book of Romans, remember, everything we do in this church, and even in our lives, should be done for the glory of God. We exist for the glory of God. I, I was reading, and I'm working on another sermon in my daily Bible reading when I was in the Old Testament. I write down things um, and, and little outlines for sermons, and one of the phrases stuck out to me. God said, in the particular translation I was reading, God said to the nation of Israel, Did you really fast for me? And he asked them again, For me? When God asks the question, I can tell you, he knows the answer. 
It's not so that you can inform him. He already knows the answer. And if you just read further in the text, you find out they weren't. Why do you do what you do in the church? Why do you do what you do in the community? Why do you do anything that you do? Do you do it for the glory of the Lord or do you do it for yourself? Do you do it for attention? Do you do it so that others will think you're super Christian or do you do it for the glory of God? See, in this text, I go down to the end. In verse 25, he says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. You know, it is the Lord that's able to establish you. If we could ever get to the place in our churches where we didn't focus on doing this because uh, we've always done it this way and doing this because this or that or whatever, and we really began to do everything for the glory of the Lord. If we stopped trying to put on a show, but we started trying to glorify God, wouldn't it change the dynamic of everything? I, I love to watch. It's, it's amazing. They interview an athlete right after he, he wins a, or she wins a, a big game. I mean, it's a big game, and they won or victorious. And, you know, oh, glory to God, you know. And uh, I wonder sometimes if they're sincere or cliche. They never ask someone who just really blew it, lost the game, the guy that missed the field goal and lost the championship game. And they go to him, and he says, well, you know, uh, <clears throat> I'd like to just say, first of all, all glory to my God and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. You ever notice that, how we can glorify God? And typically it's we're blessed when I've got all these material things. It's like we're blessed. Has anybody else noticed that? I'm not referring to anybody. I'll, I'll have you know I thank the Lord on my iPhone usage. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm down to 24 minutes on average. Hallelujah. And I'm not much on Facebook. But it always amazes me. Someone to get a nice new ride and there's nothing wrong with getting a new ride. And they'll put blessed. You know, I'm so blessed. Well, you know what? You're blessed because who you belong to. You're blessed because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would we still say blessed if we lost everything? If we lost everything today, could we be like Job when Job had everything taken away from him? You know what he did? He worshiped the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. If we would just remember that whether we're moving chairs or we're setting up for a dinner or whether we're teaching kids memory verses in Awana or whether you're singing in the praise team or singing a special or you're, you're speaking in some capacity, whatever it is, if you could just remember, I'm doing this for the glory of God. I'll never forget one of my favorite preachers Chuck Swindoll. I love Chuck Swindoll. And uh, he's the chancellor at Dallas Seminary. Most of the guys that I read after come, came from Dallas Seminary. God used Dallas Seminary and appeared in my life to help me, and, and I, I, I'm just eternal grateful. And I remember him preaching a message in chapel 
And he said this, he said, men, many uh, men have made, and he said something I will not say, out of themselves in ministry. And he said, let me tell you something, get the cameras out of your churches. I'll never forget that. Get the cameras out of your churches. We start thinking that we have an internet following and start videoing and it's going around the world and people are listening and it's detrimental. Flesh craves it. Church, I'm telling you this, and I'm speaking to you from my heart. Many failures in my life because I didn't remember these three things. And I think if we could just learn that the days we have left here, we're going to do it for the glory of God. These men and women get up here and lead us in worship. They do it because they love the Lord. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, it's discouraging for them because they're up here and they see your faces. And they see people that are disinterested, people yawning could care less. What would happen if we as a collective body decided today that we would just start doing everything for the glory of God? We just determined that, you know, it's He that has established us. It is He that has saved you, that has put you in this fellowship. He has given you a gift. He has given you life. And He has blessed you indeed. He has given us the revelation of Scripture. If you go down in verse 26, but now made manifest or revealed and known by the prophetic Scriptures. He's revealed Himself through Scriptures. If we're going to know anything about God, He had to reveal Himself to us. And then Paul concludes by saying, to God alone, who is wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. He alone is wise. Listen, church, we belong to the Lord. And I believe if we remember these three things, number one, we'll love the Lord with all our heart. Number two, we'll love each other with all we have. And number three, we'll seek to glorify God. Isn't that what we need? Church, I, let me encourage you. You matter. It takes everyone working together. One person can't do what needs to be done. Three or four people can't do what needs to be done. Receive each other. Love each other. Assist each other. Help each other. Be fellow workers. And I know in the course of our serving through the years, some might come in that want to seek and cause division. Just avoid them. Just avoid them. And then all that you do, do for the glory of God. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this.